So why would 18 prisoners put up their hands for, to sit for four days and hear about God? This was a question posed by a friend of mine's husband to her as she left home to attend our Kairos closing ceremony the other week at Emu Plains at the prison. And indeed, it is a good question. A team of 35 of us had just spent four days running a course in Christianity for 18 women prisoners at Emu Plains. It's done through a group called Kairos. And some of our friends attend the closing ceremony to surprise and bless the women. And my friend's mother was on team, and so she was at the closing. And after hearing how the women felt about their time at Kairos and how it had affected some so profoundly, she told me after many years of watching her mother go to Kairos teams that she now understood why these women chose to do the Kairos. Then when I read today's passage on Romans, it reminded me of my friend's husband because I believe that this, quest, this passage answers his question. And this is what I think the answer is. The women choose to sit and hear about God for four days because the thing that they want most in their life is hope. Paul tells us this hope comes from having peace with God. And peace with God comes from accepting God's grace, which brings us back into a right relationship with him. And we have that right relationship because of Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection. And because of all of this, we have the hope of eternity with God. It's rather a big statement. That's why I kind of broke it down in parts, because when you say it all at once, it becomes overwhelming. And I actually think you could probably preach at least 25 sermons on these five verses and still not be done, because they hold the heart of Paul's salvation theology. Now, in the whole book of Romans, Paul starts by building a case against the, the nature of normal nature of mankind, which pits itself against God and therefore causes a rift between the two. He then talks about how God creates a way to bring mankind back into relationship with him through Jesus. It is acceptance of that gift which enables peace with God. Now, being at peace with God doesn't mean that everything in your life will always be rosy and nothing will ever go wrong. But it does mean that whatever you go through in your life, you have an underlying peace that God has your back and his promises will hold true. Now, the women at Emu Plains often come in and out of jail time and time again. A decision to follow Jesus or start down a track to, to learn more doesn't always change that. But it does give them a peace in their hearts and a hope for their future. This week I went to the Journey Program, which is something we run every week after the short course ongoing. And one of the girls, I gave her a hug and spoke to her and asked how her week had been. My week had been quite busy, but her week had been horrific. This week she'd lost her father to a heroin overdose. And she said she'd been talking to God about this and this had helped her. I asked about her mother and she said, my mother committed suicide some years ago. Now she was able to pray for the rest of her family and the soul of her father in our prayer circle and that gave her significant comfort. Now when things in my life go a bit dodgy, I like to remember Jeremiah 11:29, which says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, 
plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. God wants us to prosper. That doesn't mean that he wants us to prosper in human terms and be rich and successful, but he wants us to grow to be the best person we can be, to be the person he created us to be using the gifts and talents he particularly gave us. He will not harm us. Any harm that befalls us is from other humans, not God. So anyway, let's take a brief look at the notion of peace. So if you look at it from a purely secular perspective, for any peace to happen, there has to have been a war of some kind or some form of enmity to, for at least, um, to start with, at least between two parties. Now, in the end, one of the parties has to be victorious because wars are either won or lost. And there has to be some form of condition then um, under which peace will occur between parties or the war will just flare up again and your winning and losing becomes just a battle within a larger war. As I was thinking about that, I thought that peace with God actually follows this pattern quite well. Verse 1 in Romans 5 talks about justification being part of the peace that we have to find with God. And that sounds like a really big important word, but the concept is really fairly simple. Now the laws of this world and the laws of God demand payment for wrongdoing. So if you do wrong, you're put in jail to pay your debt to society. Well, that's justice at work, and that's where the word justification comes from. Now in an unjust society, often the victim pays but payment is mostly made by the person that does the wrong. But also, payment can be made by someone else, and this is called substitutionary atonement. Another big word, but it really just means that someone takes the rap for you. An example might be a parent paying for some wrongdoing by their child. Now, this is what Jesus did on the cross for all of us. He died in place of us. If we in humility accept this gift, then our debt is paid and we are at peace with God and the burden we feel over what we have done or failed to do is lifted. The prison is full of people's burdens. They have burdens because of what they've done, but in many cases, and most actually I would say, because of what has been done to them by others, mostly people that they've trusted and loved in their lives, their burdens are things like hatred of others, lack of trust, abandonment, abuse, betrayal, drugs play a very big part, self-loathing and lack of forgiveness. I would doubt that there is much peace at all in prison, let alone peace with God. As you walk through the compound amongst the prisoners, all you feel is darkness and despair. Even outside of the jail, many of us feel those same burdens, that same darkness. We yearn for something that will bring us peace, hope and meaning to our lives. We learn from Paul that this peace with God is a precursor to hope and that hope opens up the rest of our lives into another dimension. Our eyes are opened and we see life very differently. Paul tells us in verse 3, that we glory in our tribulations. Under Paul's scenario, our tribulations become vehicles not for frustration and anger, which most tribulations bring us, but a way to grow in patience and understanding. Now, we can only see life like that 
if we have a solid grounding in our relationship with God and know that that relationship is eternal and based on trust. One of our previous Kairos graduates spoke at our closing ceremony and actually said she was glad that she'd been in prison because if not, she wouldn't have done Kairos and she wouldn't have found the Lord, as she calls him. She loves to, all through her talk, she was saying, the Lord, my Lord, the Lord, it was brilliant. Clearly, she was looking at her tribulations differently. Our relationship with God gives us hope because whatever happens, we know we are created for a purpose and of all the things we go through in our lives bring us to that point. We, they've shaped who we are, they've taught us more about ourselves and they've also taught us about how God works in our life. The Holy Spirit, our mentor, is within us at all times prompting us to see what God is doing for us. Sometimes it's a bit hard to do that, but he's there still. Now, in the midst of our trials, we can notice creation and his glory, in the, you know, so God's glory in the little and big things. Like, for example, a starry night will display to us the perfection of God's creation, and his glory might have been at the end of what might have been a difficult day for us. But looking at this starry night might put our day into perspective. It might rem- help us remember that God is in charge. And that builds our hope, and our hope encourages us as we journey through life. Hope is kind of like the anchor on a boat. A boat is safe in harbour, but it's not created to stay safe. It's created to sail the seas. The anchor is small when compared to the size of the boat, but when the boat has trouble seas, the anchor will hang firmly onto the seabed and prevent the boat from being swept away. The seabed could represent God's love. Our hope anchors itself in this love when we need it to, whether it's large or small, and when we get over the troubled times, up comes the anchor and we continue on our journey. But that anchor is there whenever we need it. We make hundreds of decisions each day, and in prison the ladies make about 28. They lose much of their individuality and have little in the way of choice. They get up at a certain time, they're locked in and out of their rooms at particular times, They're fed at certain times and have no choice about what they eat. They keep saying it's not much much good. Um, They have no um, choice as to what they wear outside of choosing between green or maroon tracksuits. And nowadays they can't smoke either. There is often no hope that their lives will change when they're released. Most have been in and out of the prison system all their lives and their parents and siblings and extended family are often also in prison. It would be difficult for many to have hope for the future. So they chose to come to Kairos and hear about God. They've gone into the very depths and can see no way forward. Their past tells them what their future will be like if, if something doesn't change. They come thinking they may find something, that something, find help and support and encouragement. God brings who he wants to the Kairos course, I think, In the weeks before the course, there are so many changes to the list of participants, you can almost feel God fiddling around the list. And and I believe that he knows who is truly ready to hear his message of love and hope. And he brings those people along and makes sure they're there. And God has a plan for each of us the same way if we choose to follow it. Whether we're in jail or on the outside, we're all created by God for a purpose. And when we are fulfilling this purpose, I believe we're the happiest we can be. Following God's plan for us brings us peace 
apart from any life plan we might have, God's spiritual life plan for all of us is to be in a right relationship with him. But that is something we choose for ourselves. And it's not a choice that anybody can take away from us, whether we're in prison or outside of it. We may think different. We may think we are different to the women in prison, but as Kairos progresses and the more time we spend with them, the more I think we are no different. And the women come to think the same. They often come with a belief that we are different to them um, and that we've had no troubles in our lives, but we aren't. If you were born into a family where the norm is to be in prison and where you're physically abused and leave home as a teen to escape the abuse, there is a likelihood you will end up in trouble and behind bars. But also, text while you drive and hit someone accidentally and you could end up at Emu Plains as well. There is a real difference, however, between those who have hope because they're in a relationship with God and those who don't. Whether we live inside jail or outside of it doesn't matter. Because we have this hope that encourages and guides us, Paul tells us that we're not, we're not to be ashamed of it. It must be spread around like wildfire. When we think of children dying from preventable diseases because they live in poor countries, we get mad, don't we? We want to send them all the medicine they need. We get some righteous indignation about all of that. But do we apply the same principle to the hope we find in our faith? We know it's changed and saved us and given us peace and hope, but do we share this readily with others as a cure to their hopelessness? Paul says we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. He says that God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit and our hope does not put us to shame. Some versions use the word boast rather than rejoice, but I prefer the word rejoice because when you're rejoicing about something, you can't remain quiet about it. It actually becomes infectious. And I hope our love for God and our hope in him showed up as rejoicing to the prisoners. I think it did. We teach them about agape love, unconditional love through word and action. Agape love is very powerful and also very humbling. It emulates the love that God has for us, which is unconditional and not due to anything we've done. The girls in prison own very little and their possessions are all listed. If they take something in that's not on the list, it gets taken away. As part of their Kairos journey, they receive letters from Christians who encourage them and send them messages of love. These are received in a hand-embroidered pillowcase with their name on it, and the letters are sealed, which is unusual for prison. This time, the girls received 55 letters each. They were speechless. Many received no mail whatsoever from people they know, let alone people they don't. The love shown to them reflects the love and hope found in Christ displayed by his people. One girl said she had 50 days left to go of her sentence. She never receives mail. She gathered those letters up and she hugged them close to her. She decided she was going to read one every day until she was released. But the biggest agape love we show for the women is to actually be in prison with them. At the beginning, they find it difficult to understand why 35 people would take time to be with them in prison when all they want is out. And maybe at first they think we're a little nuts. But as they get to know us, they begin to understand why we're there. We are there for God to show them his love. We are there to give them an insight into what it's like to have a Christian faith and hope. They know all this up front 
and all we ask is that they listen till the end and decide what they think. It's between God and them how their journey unfolds. Although many do decide to share their feelings during the course and at the end. As the week progresses, there is a distinct change in atmosphere. Weariness gives way to trust. There is much hugging and sharing. Friendship is made between those who on the compound might have been sworn enemies. They wouldn't sit next to those people on day one, some of them, and then by day four they're hugging away. A forgiveness ceremony gives all of us a chance to unburden ourselves of the anger and hurt we may harbour against other people in our lives. A form of freedom is found, a freedom within the spirit. Over three short courses um, I've done, I've forgiven a long list of people, but at the top of each list, each time, I've put my own name. So hope is the reason 18 prisoners chose to sit for four days to hear all about God. I know that God was working hard during that whole time, keeping many of them in their seats, because it's not easy for these women to sit and concentrate for long periods, because many are on coming down off drugs and various things. They had a choice each day whether to turn up, and they all did. They heard talks, they sang, they loved, they prayed, they danced, they drew, they painted, they blew bubbles, and they cried. In fact, we all cried at times. In our lives, we have the opportunity to sow seeds of hope into the lives of others. And you don't need to be on a Kairos team to do that, although I do feel blessed and privileged to have been part of that team. You can do this for your friends and your family, for those God may place before you very briefly. Everyone needs an anchor of hope in their lives to help them through the highs and lows of their journey. And this hope only comes through peace with God And this peace is open for everyone. And wouldn't the world be a better place if we were at all peace with God, at all at peace with God and had this hope? I read that being hopeful was like being the little engine that could. And you might remember that story from your childhood. The person who wrote the comment said that that hopeful people keep telling themselves, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. Well, having a positive attitude is part of having hope. With God, I think it's very different. I would rather express my hope, especially after my four days working for God in prison by saying, I know God can, I know God can, I know God can. 